watch the Blackhawks NHL playoff game. My third choice was to watch the Mets, and they had a crazy good game that night. And then instead of all those, it was actually the day of Beanie's birthday, so we just went over and hung out at her friend's place. Well, you still had fun. Yeah, it was still fun. But then as I'm, like, coming home, I'm, like, catching up on all the crazy things that happened that night. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I watched them all. Um, I ended up watching them all. I was happy with how quickly YouTube seemed to have a high-def version of every single trailer up there. Well, not just the trailers, but YouTube, like, Jeff Keeley hosted, like, E3 or whatever on YouTube. And everything that you saw was directly on there. So you could actually just watch the press conference. That's where I watched all the press conferences. And then he had, like, in between the press conferences, he had, like, individual developers come up and talk about their games and stuff like that. And it was really well done. Uh, I like Jeff Keighley. Yeah. Contrary to what everybody makes fun of him saying he's corporate or whatever, I think he's professional. He's one of the best interviewers out there as far as the game business goes and I think he actually cares about video games yeah so I got no problem with him yeah I like him a lot and I uh, watched all that but yeah PlayStation had a pretty good one hell even Xbox had a great one yeah backwards compatibility on Xbox One yeah I might actually go ahead and buy it now because I've always been of the mind that I was just going to have every system out all the time but for the first time I'm having to face the reality that I don't have the room to put every system attached to every TV that's the same way with me my Xbox 360 is actually sitting next to me in my office and it's next it's hooked up to the the quote unquote crappy television yeah Um, and you know I, I, I have I currently have three physical games for my Xbox 360. I have Gears of War 3, which I've never played, Oblivion, and uh, Divinity 2. Oh, yeah. So I have those, but everything else is pretty much digital um, that I care about. Uh, at the current moment, they only have, I think, like 18 games that are backwards compatible. Uh, some are physical. Some are uh, downloadable. Like uh, I, um, I just tried it just to, for the hell of it, and I played like Geometry Wars. Just for a little bit. Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty seamless. I mean, that was the thing. was like immediately after that press conference, like they apparently turned the switch on and look, the games that they have on that list automatically show up in your games library. So if you own those games, they automatically show up. All you got to do is just hit download. Uh, Oh, that's the way it should be. Yeah. No extra hoops to jump through. I just want to go there, download the game and play it. Yeah, it's it's interesting how they do it because it actually loads up the 360 hardware. Like you'll see the 360, you know, intro logo pop up and everything like that. And it's interesting how they got around that. Yeah, that's pretty strange. I uh, I didn't see much of the Microsoft one. I didn't see much of any of them. But then I watched all the trailers from the Sony conference. Yeah, Sony had some. Pretty big ones. They announced some stuff that we never thought was going to happen. Two games I never thought I would ever see. Yeah, what, what games were those? Well, the Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah. And the Last Guardian. The Last Guardian. 
Um, the big one for everybody. I like, like I told Ken and like I told everybody, we see, we, we, we actually record a podcast of us actually watching it live. I have no connection to Shinmu at all. I've never played Shinmu one or two. I haven't um, either. I would love to, I would love to do that on this show. I see. That's the thing. I have no real desire to play it. It doesn't really bother me if we, if we, if you ever wanted really? to cover it. Yeah. I, I just, for the longest time, up until about two years ago, I thought that game was kind of like, kind of like the the Quantic Dream games. Is it kind of like an adventure game? Because everything that I've ever seen of Shinmu or Shinmu Two was cutscenes and quick time events, and I was like, this looks like a game that'd be kind of boring. So I, I I never paid attention to it. So I I didn't know what kind of a game it was, which is why I never looked at it. Mm. But yeah, they uh yeah they announced Shinmu three, or they announced a Kickstarter, which is the fastest funded Kickstarter ever, which yeah. is kind of freaking nuts in and of itself. Yeah, I mean I I'm gl- I know people have wanted that game, and I'm glad it's finally happening. But I'm closer to your opinion. I, I would love to play the first one. But there's no way I'm gonna get excited about the third game in a series that I've never played any of the other ones. Right. Horizon looked gorgeous. Yeah, that looks great. We are, uh, you know, me even like me and Ken were really excited for that, and because um, we didn't know what the hell it was, you know, for the longest time we were always like, "What is this cyber dinosaur RPG looking thing?" Never could figure out what exactly it was. And then they showed it off, and it looks freaking gorgeous. But yeah, that and... I I'm, I just went ahead and record, because we're going. Because we want to get some E3 impressions. Um, Final Fantasy VII, really obviously. That last Guardian trailer, I thought that looked awesome. I just... I, I don't know. It just looks like Ico to me, which is... As high a praise as you could give a game in my in my mind. Yeah, I I played Eco, um, and I thought it was okay. Um, I really like Shadow of the Colossus, um, and this looks like Eco mixed with Shadow of the Colossus. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I think it's one of those games that just like so much hype has been for it that I just don't. Yeah, you hear hear about something for so long, you just kind of get sick of hearing about it. So I'm glad they finally announced it. And the problem is, we don't know when the hell it's still coming out. I mean, they showed off gameplay of it, but I mean, at the same time, we saw a trailer of this game what, six years ago. Yeah. And it has came out, and they haven't released a release date for it yet or anything like that. So, but they got that, and what else did they have? They had. Uh... No Man's Sky. Yeah, that still looks good every time I see it. Yeah, still no release date for it, though. And I just don't know how that's going to work. I'm still a little nervous that it's just going to be Minecrafty. Oh, I, I can almost guarantee you that's what it's going to be. As much as I love the premise of that game, I don't know what I'm going to do in it. And that makes me kind of feel like I'm going to get bored real quick with it. Yeah, that, that's my issue is that because from what I... From the 
from the things I've heard through interviews and stuff like that, you start off limited on where you can go and what you can do, and you have to basically create your ship to do better, to travel farther and stuff like that, and you don't start off with everything. And I have a feeling it's a lot of, oh, go and find materials on this planet to, you know, in, you know, increase your, you know, I don't know, survivability or whatever. I don't know how, how it's going to work. And I'm, I'm still curious about the game, but I have a feeling it's going to fall into a genre I don't care about. Yeah, I'm very interested in it, but I, that statement is 100% the way I feel, too. I'm yeah. really, really interested in it, but I feel like it's going to be the type of game that I'm not going to enjoy playing. Maybe it's the kind of game I would love to watch other people play, but I don't know that, that I, I... I don't know. I haven't seen enough of somebody playing it. Yeah. I'm not one of those people who really enjoys creating stuff. I like it as far as customizing a character or creating a character and playing as them, but not as the entire game. Like, I know that... um Media Molecule showed off Dreams. I don't know what the hell that game is. Yep. Is it a game? And they Media Molecule sticks to this whole you we give you tools to do whatever the hell you want. That's not my kind of game. You know, I I was not a big fan of Little Big Planet. You know, I I it I, I'm not creative in that way. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anything about dreams. I I did really love the first little big planet for that reason. I spent quite a lot of time making levels, but after doing that in the first game, I had no desire to do that in subsequent games. Yeah. So I don't know on that one. Um, what else did they have? They had uh, I know Ubisoft showed off some pretty cool stuff. Um, in their press conference, they had um. South Park. New South Park came out of nowhere. Uh, I still haven't finished South Park 1. Have you played Stick it? Stick of Truth. Yeah, Stick of Truth. Have you played it, Matt? Mm, about five minutes of it. Yeah. It's great. I've gotten relatively deep into it before, but I just never finished it. Um... Yeah, I saw that, and that's been on sale quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. The uh, Sick of Truth? Yeah. as on, I think both on the Steam Summer Sale as well as on the PS3 or 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got which, it on PC. Which makes me feel like crap. I got real excited about Alien Isolation finally being cheap on the PC. I grabbed it, downloaded it. Got ready to play. My graphics card does not support DirectX 11. Nice. So I can't not even start that game. Great. And I found a good graphics card that I was going to buy. I'm like, yeah, my computer's getting a little aged. I understand. It's time for an upgrade. But I'm not sure that my motherboard will now connect to this new graphics card. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the issues. The whole idea of my building my own computer was that I could upgrade it piecemeal. But if I have to upgrade everything every time, then that really defeats the purpose of being able to sequentially upgrade one piece at a time of my computer. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked into it enough, but I may just end up picking up 
Alien Isolation on the PS4 instead. It's easier. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, there was a ton of stuff. I know. Um, God, uh, the um, the Knight game uh, for Honor looked kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't see the trailer of that one yet. Um, that was interesting. It looks kind of like um, chivalry, medieval warfare. Um, it looks a little bit like that, um, except um, it. To me, as far as the combat goes, it looks like a ti- almost like a timing based Dark Souls ish kind of. So yeah. it, I mean, it um, it it looked interesting to say the least. So I guess that, and of course they got Assassin's Creed, which I'm. I'm still on the first one. I'm done with that series. Like I, I really am. I mean, I played the first one, and, and like you. I, I got really, really far into it. So that's the thing. I bought that game. I mean, I fell into the friggin' hype of that game. It was, you know, I, I was like, yes, this is next gen. It looks fucking amazing. I bought it. And I got probably three-fourths of the way through that game and stopped playing. And uh, it was one of those days where I was like, I want something to play. And I looked over there on my shelf and I saw that Assassin's Creed was sitting there. And I was like, you know, I never finished that. And I started it back up, and I was like, man, I saw why I stopped playing this game. Huh. And so I just had to make a commitment and said, I'm not going to stop playing this until I finish it. And it took about eight hours, and I sat there the entire weekend beating Assassin's Creed. And it was one yeah. of those things you just have to power through it. Yeah. And... um God, when did I play? I, I played Assassin's Creed Two. Um, I distinctly remember when I start when I played Assassin's Creed Two because it was my parents had um, they were they were going on a road trip to California, and my parents had asked me to come to their place and kind of house sit for them because they're going to be gone about a week and a half. And I was like, "Eh, sure." So I had the entire house to myself. And I was like, well, maybe I should bring a game system with me. So I brought my PS3 with me, and it was during the height. It was whenever whenever the PSN was down for those months and months, whenever it got hacked. Oh, yeah. Remember when like you couldn't even log on to PSN? Yep. And I was like, well, I can't log on to PSN. Let me find a single-player game. Hey, I've got Assassin's Creed 2. I've had it for like years. Let me start that up. And I beat Assassin's Creed 2 in that week. Um, and I kind of was like, okay, this is... Because the ending was really, really cool. And so I picked up Brotherhood. And um, and but by that time, it was cheap. You know, I, like, I, I don't know when this was. Probably 2011, maybe. I can't really remember. But... Um, so I picked up uh, uh, Brotherhood. I played probably about three hours of Brotherhood and said, I'm done with the series. It's the same thing over and over again. I know everybody claims that Brotherhood's the best one, or one of the best ones, and I'm just like, I've done this all before. And it, was, it was the same way with like Call of Duty. The reason why I don't really play Call of Duty anymore. So, you know, they, but they keep pumping them out, man. Yeah, they certainly have been relentless with Assassin's Creed over the last 
six years. Yeah. They every year, man. And then I, some. Yeah. The um yeah, they had two last year. But um yeah, they showed off Assassin's Oh, they didn't really show off Assassin's Creed. I didn't see any gameplay. I watched all the press conferences and never saw any gameplay. I just saw a bunch of like CGI trailers for it. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, show us the game, guys. So, so one thing I haven't gotten a chance. So like again, I haven't been able to watch the the conferences yet. I, I'm still planning on it once I get some time. Um, but one thing I didn't get a good sense of was what about VR? That must have been talked about. Well. I know Microsoft showed off the um, God. I can't remember the name of it, but it's the the AR stuff, uh, the Hololens. That's what it's called. Um, and it looks kind of cool the way they showed it. They showed it off with Minecraft, where they had a person playing Minecraft and this guy wearing the Hololens, and they showed what he was seeing, and he was looking at kind of like a map that kind of just materialized upward and he could zoom in using his hands and he could see the person running around that was actually playing the game. Um, and it was, it, it looked neat, but at the same time I'm thinking, okay, how much is this going to cost? Huh. And, and so far they've shown Minecraft for it, at least to the public. I, I've heard that, uh, they had something to do with Halo um, where you could like, something, like Halo. yeah, they, they, they throw, they like, they, I heard that, um, they would like, you would put on the hollow ones. They, they say you turn to your left and you would see a waypoint. They say, okay, walk to the waypoint and then you would walk to it and stuff like that. And they, they said it was really cool, but at the same time, I don't want to play my games that way. You know, I mean, you'll eventually run into, okay, well, I don't have space in my house for this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the weird thing is, uh, Morpheus for uh, the PS4, Sony touched on that for about five minutes at the most in their press conference. Didn't talk about it much at all. Yeah, I thought that would have been a bigger deal. That's what we all thought. And I was like, wow, they're they're not talking about it. Which, I mean, truth be told, it's hard to demo that stuff. You True. know? You know, it's it's hard to show a guy on stage with with something strapped to his head, looking around, and we're just like, you know, you don't get this. It's boring. Yeah, it's great to demo out on the floor, but you're right for the presentation part. It probably lacks a bit of a punch. Yeah, but now it's uh, as far as VR goes, and I didn't watch the PC one, so I didn't get to see Oculus or anything like that. So uh, they may have showed some stuff there. I'm not too certain, but they um, they. VR was kind of a secondary thing to E3 this year. Which I'm, truth be told, I'm kind of fine with that because I I have zero interest in VR whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know if I'm zero, but I'm not that far away from it. Hmm. I just I don't know. I'm blanking on everything else I showed. Oh, well. Whatever. What's all the uproar over uh, the Metroid? It is a 3DS game 
that has multiplayer, and it's not really a Metroid game. I got Nemo. Nothing for us, though. Junk mail, as usual. Man, that's an exciting way to get junk mail. <laughs> Some Metal Gear sound. Interestingly enough. It's VR. The VR missions when you when you succeed. I I love that game. That was uh, the first that was the first game I spent a lot of time playing when I uh when I went to my first dual monitor setup. I had my chunky old computer monitor and I had a chunky thirteen inch TV and they were both sitting on my desk and I was playing VR missions. It's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I played a lot of VR missions. I did all the VR missions in Metal Gear Solid 1. And um, then they released a separate game, just VR missions. Yeah, that's um, the one I played. And I played, I played that too. Let's see here. I'll just bring it up. I, I, like, I'm, I'm trying to do the official thing of what episode is this and stuff like that. So, 39.0? Is it 39? I think so. Um, we're one week away from our third year anniversary, dude. Oh, that's crazy. Yep. Kind of crazy. Well, there's no game I'd rather be celebrating a three-year anniversary with than my favorite game of all time. Mug Gear Solid 3, huh? Yep. Wow. I, I like this game a lot, um, but Metal Gear 1 will... Always hold that for me. Even if it's rough. It's rough to go back to, but the experiences that I had with Metal Gear 1, as far as my gaming experiences in life, is probably some of the best I've ever had. It's fucking magical. When I was fucking 13 years old. God. Yeah. That was a, that was a bold frontier of gaming. Yep. You'll never see that stuff again, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't think so, and I'm not trying to sound like a... Cross of the old man. Yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to sound like, oh, my my, my era was always better or whatever, but it, it it's to a point where you can only look so good now. You know, it, it, Of course, you expect a AAA game like this to, to look good, you know, but Metal Gear Solid, man, when that game came out, you... Never seen anything like that before, ever. So what if VR comes out and it gets it right, and we just kind of pass over it because that's not the way we want to play our games? And VR, you know, I'm not saying that it, it will be, but you know, it's game changing enough if it, if done right, and you know, if everything falls in line, that could be as big or bigger than Metal Gear ever was. You know, and we just might uh, shrug our shoulders at it. Well, it could be. You know, that's the thing. I mean, like, we always are going to hold on to nostalgia. Everybody does. I mean, people who, I don't know, who's 13 now, and they sit down to play The Witcher 3, They'll be like, yeah, man, that was, you know, when they're RAs, they'll be thinking about, man, you remember Witcher 3 and how insanely good that was and stuff like that? I mean, it's it's always going to be that way, you know. But I think, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It was, it was a time where 
you know, it was, everything was advancing at such a high rate. I mean, yeah. if, if, if you, it certainly seemed faster. I mean, 3D games. How crazy was that? Yeah, we've never seen anything like that before. I mean, like Resident Evil really set the bar. And then Metal Gear Solid 3 came out, or Metal Gear Solid 1 came out, and it just it blew everybody away. You know? It's funny, like, it, if you ask me, you know, in my my gaming life, if I could go back and experience something for the first time ever again, it would be playing Metal Gear Solid demo. Because when I played that demo, you couldn't see me more excited about something. So it was it was great. You know, and I just I don't think you'd see that anymore. Like so even last game that you really felt was head and shoulders above the rest of gaming. Because both of those games you mentioned, the first Resident Evil and the first Metal Gear Solid, when they came out, they, you know, they were wholly unique experiences that really changed things. Do you think that those games are still coming out and we're just not, you know, we've already been changed to where we expect them? Or are they still coming out and and we're still loving them and just not appreciating them to that degree? That could be it right there because we've seen this stuff before, you know. I mean, what was the last game that revolutionized something for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't know about the last one. But, for example, Halo 2 was the first time that I played a lot of online multiplayer. Yeah. Like, normal online multiplayer. And to me, that was crazy. We had, we had Halo, Halo and Beer Nights, where I would have people come over and we'd play online. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, the game that got me into online gaming a lot, that was probably Call of Duty 2 on the Xbox 360. I didn't I mean, know. I never owned an Xbox One or Xbox Original, so. Would you still? I mean, I would still say the first Modern Warfare really made online shooters to me addictive, and I think to a lot of people, the way you leveled up and the unlockables. Oh yeah. Modern Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare was a fucking amazing game. You know, it, it like at its time, it made you know console shooters. Like that that was that was it. That was the one that put them on the fucking map. Call of Duty two was fucking great. And I was man, I I played that every fucking night when I was like God, I can't even remember what year that was, but I think it was like two thousand six, two thousand seven, somewhere around there. So I was probably about twenty one, twenty two. And I was playing it constantly. You know, and um like my, I mean I would say that that's a bona fide you know, that was a big that's a big deal. Oh, absolutely. I think another game in that same vein that kind of revolutionized stuff was Street Fighter Four. Yeah, because the 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 fighting scene, the fighting game scene, and the just fighters in general, they were were nobody cared about them really, you know, except for those hardcore guys. And when Metal Metal Gear, when when Street Fighter Four came out, it, it it brought it back to the forefront. You know, it got me back into it. You know, I was I was huge. I was a I was a really big fighting game player whenever I was a kid, you know. I like I grew up in the arcade playing Street Fighter Two, you know. I played the, the the new Challengers. That was the one that was in my arcade, 
And um, I never really got into Street Fighter 3. I did play a lot of Alpha. I played a lot of Alpha 3. In fact, my first uh, game tournament ever was Street Fighter Alpha 3. I think I was 15 at the time. Uh, and I, I played it at one of my local game stores. Um, and then when 4 came out, man, I became addicted to that game. In in vanilla Street Fighter Four, regular Street Fighter Four, I have over two hundred hours in it, and then they you know they release Super Street Fighter Four. I have probably about two hundred fifty hours in the Super Street Fighter Four. Damn! I became addicted to that game. Like that was it brought fighting games back to me. You know, and and that's that's kind of my bread and butter. I've I've tried other fighting games. Killer Instincts is really fun. Um, you know, I, I the Arc System games I my brain cannot function correctly to understand those games. Um, and, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat is a whole different, different type of fighting game. Right. They, I, I can't get into it. I love Mortal Kombat. I think it's fantastic. I love how they handle the story modes and stuff in those games, but it's, you know, it's, I just can't. I, I don't like the mechanics of it. Street Fighter has always been the fighting game for me. Yeah, Tekken and Street Fighter for me. I can't stand 3D fighting games. I can't stand them. The only one that I ever got close to was Soul Calibur. I played a lot of Soul Calibur Four. That was um, that was the one on 360. I played a lot of it on 360. Um, but I was never good at it. But yeah, the 2D fighting games were, were my big ones for me. But yeah, modern revolutionary games. I mean, it's hard. I've had a lot of wow moments, you know, like, whoa, you know, this is crazy. One of the coolest moments for me, um, uh, in, in last generation was Kingdoms of Amalur. Uh, when, when I played Kingdoms of Amalur, I had to, I had to review it. And, um, uh, the day I got it, I just, I, I did a lot of the quests and stuff in the starting area. And I was like, okay, because the, the starting area was like, okay, this, this is a pretty decent sized starting area. And, uh, I just took a look at the map and when I looked at the map, it just showed where I was at the current moment and I could zoom out when I zoomed out and just saw how big the freaking map was in kingdoms of Amalur, I, I it freaked me out. I was like, my God, this game is fucking huge. And it was. I, it, like that, that really did blow me away for a minute there. But I was like, but, but for some reason, you know, it, but, but it wasn't like, wow, this is a, you know, a next step, you know, in games or anything like that. I, it was just a kind of like a wow moment. Um, man, I don't know. And Dragon Age Inquisition kind of wowed me, just at how massive it was. Yeah, I'm not. I like Dragon Age. I don't know if it wowed. Like, I don't know if I would say that it wowed me to that degree. Uh, to me, I would again go back to Mass Effect and just the first. That was not the first time, but those were some of the characters that I connected with more than any other in any game. And, and to me, that was sort of a you know a thing, that, a, a mark that you could put on that box, and say this game is amazing. 
amazing because of these characters and it will never cease to be amazing because those characters are always there and, and perhaps characters will be better written or be more interactive but you know for now to me that's the high watermark in in interaction with characters right I just I don't know which brings me actually it was a weird thing with Metal Gear Solid 3 as much as I love this game, the one thing that always stands out in my mind, aside from, you know, kind of the obvious things, like, I think this game has fantastic bosses. I love the theme of the boss, you know, the fights are okay, but the the emotional impact of fighting these bosses, specifically the last boss fight of the game, but, you know, the whole, the rest of the crew as well. But for me, the biggest thing in this game is the motion capture. I don't know why. Maybe it's not even any better than any other game, but this was the first game when I played it. I'm like, I feel like there are people walking around because they walk like people walk. Yeah. And, the you know, the small movements and the shoulder movements and the twitches, and this was the first time that I felt that way and playing any game. And I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know if it still holds up yet. I mean, I haven't seen all that many cutscenes with, in the game yet only being in the first part but you know maybe i'm alone on this but it 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 blew me away the first time i played this game and it's still one of my my favorite memories of this yeah the um i i will give it that is that the 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 enemies actually move like real people do um instead of just if a guy's facing forward He's that's where that he that's the way he's walking. But I've seen multiple times where a guy's walking forward, but he's turning his head and looking slightly to the left or slightly to the right, and it, it was more fluid that way, and, yeah, it, I, and it added it kept, a whole new dynamic to you know, sneaking around and stuff too. Yeah, I think I mean more in the cutscenes than in like the the actual in-game models, right? Just when I was watching those movies of these people moving around, the you know the slow movements, the way they, you know, they, they compensate. It just felt like weight was shifting more realistically. Hmm. Well, we can get into it since um, we're going to be starting it right now. Um, welcome everybody to Phoenix Down. This is thirty nine point zero. The year of the gear continues. Um, as you can tell, we are missing one person. Ken, unfortunately, will not be joining us for the rest of the series. Um, he can't. He has very limited time to play games, and he has very li- even more limited time to play mature rated games like this game because of his son. He doesn't want to play a game where you're getting shot the hell up <laughs> uh, and. Uh, Looking at uh, Eva's boobs. So, um, yeah. Unfortunately, he will not be joining us for the rest of the series, but he will be with us when we have our big discussion on Metal Gear Solid Five. But, uh, yeah, I, as you as you can hear, Matt is with me. Hello, friends. And, yeah, so Metal Gear Solid Three. Uh like we do with every series, we're going to talk about our history with the game. Metal Gear Solid 3 uh, came out uh, on the PlayStation 2, uh, November 17th of 2004 uh, in North America. 
Um, and uh, history with this title, um, Matt, I'll let you go first because I have a kind of an interesting history with this game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would say I do have an interesting history. I mean, I, I loved the first game. I, you know, I played through the second game and, and, and loved that to some degree. Uh, so when this game came out, I was pretty excited. You know, I I got it very early. I don't know if it was day one, but it probably was. Uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, I played through it, and the more I played of this game, the more I loved it. Um, you know, as I just mentioned, I, the boss fights, the motion capture, the emotion of the game, getting to see Ocelot as a youngster, just so many things about this game I absolutely adored. Yeah. Well, my um, my history with it is actually very interesting. At least I think so. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Metal Gear fan. And um, everybody knows this, obviously. But I did not play this game when it first came out. Um, in fact, I didn't play this game probably until about a year after it came out. And there was a reason why. Because I said that um, this game released November 17th of 2004. Uh that was the same year I graduated high school was 2004. So from when I graduated in early 2004 to close, pretty much close to the end of 2005, I did nothing but focus on college working and dating women. (laughs) That's all I did. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, you know, obviously, I started college um, right after the summer, and that was like a whole new venture. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be diligent with it, um, and you know, I, I did a lot of studying. I, uh, I that was that was how I handled it. It was also it it was a time where I just, I guess, I mean, you know, I I kind of got out of gaming. Um, but at the same time, it was also when my PlayStation two died. Mm. So what happened was, and I think it was in 2004, it might've been 2003. I can't exactly remember, but my PlayStation two would not take discs. I would hit the button and the tray would go in and then it would immediately just pop back out. I could, I would try to hold it in. And I could just sit there and hold it in. It would never read a disc. And, it, and when I removed my hand, it would pop back out. Couldn't figure it out to save my life. So I kind of just retired my PlayStation 2. Um, and it came during a time where, you know, like finals and stuff like that and getting ready to graduate. And I just, it, it, I got out of, I got out of gaming for a while there. Um, so I completely missed any type of, early coverage of metal gear three or even hearing about the game at all. Um, and it was late 2005 and, and I went to GameStop because I had, I had friends that worked at GameStop and uh, me and a college buddy went to GameStop because I was like, I haven't, I haven't seen my buddies in a while. So let's go up to GameStop and see what they're doing. And uh, when I walked in, I looked on the shelf and they had a, 
a used copy of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. And I was like, whoa, they made a new Metal Gear game? I said, yeah, it's been out like a year now. And I was like, holy shit. I'm buying this today. So I, I purchased it right away. Uh, went home. And um, finally figured out how... So somehow my PlayStation 2 just decided to start working again. I did nothing differently. It just it just started accepting discs again. And I don't know why. So I played Snake Eater about a year after it came out and um thought it was very different because it's it'd been a while since I played pretty much many games um but a long time since I played Metal Gear Solid 2. So I was just like I had to get back into the swing of things. Um but yeah, I distinctly remember like not like not caring about any game that came out like in 2004 or even 2005. So essentially Metal Gear Solid 3 got me back into gaming for my 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 stint of not playing games. So uh but yeah, that that it it kind of just it snapped with me and I was back in started playing a lot of games, you know. And by that time, we were starting hearing rumblings of the new systems and stuff like that. And you know, I was I was on board again. But for about a year and a half there, I didn't play any games whatsoever. So I missed out on on uh, Metal Gear Solid Three when it first released. Luckily, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get any spoilers or anything either, so I was surprised. Yeah, that's pretty good to to be able to go that long. Although I guess if you're not paying attention, it's easier to not get spoiled. Yeah, that was that was yeah that was a very like that was, that's the only time I think that I was never really into gaming was that that small time there like my buddies were still into gaming you know the ones I hung out with and I was just like yeah yeah I gotta you know I gotta go study or I gotta you know like I was I was doing a lot of dating during that time like a lot of dating. Oh, it wasn't that. It was it was probably shitty on my part because I couldn't I couldn't stay with somebody. Um. So it was you know it was it was a lot of just just going to people's places and stuff like that and and doing a lot of social interactions. And I realized ah social interactions aren't for me. I go back to sitting at home playing video games. So. But yeah, it was it it was an interesting time for me. I, like. You know, especially for somebody who grew up playing video games, you know, I've had, a, I've been playing games since I was fucking like three or four years old, you know, so it was, it's, it's interesting. Did that, you say when you were at college, you lived at, at home still or in the dorms or? Um, no, no, I, uh, I still live with my parents. I moved out of my parents' house at 20, I think it was, I think I was about to turn 22. I think I'm not too certain, but for the majority, like like I said, for the majority of my college career, I sp- I stayed with my parents. Mm. Um, it was it was toward the end of hell. In fact, I think it was it might have been it was Christmas. It was right before Christmas when I moved out. So it was, I, and I was graduating the next year. So yeah, I was twenty. I think I was already twenty two. So yeah, I, when I moved out, I was twenty two. Um, 
I don't know. I just you know, like that was one of the things I was, I was focused on, you know, trying to finish college because it was to a point where I, I kind of just. So I, I dated a girl for a long time and, you know, we were kind of trying to plan some things like life things. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, all right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll try to further our relationship a little bit more after I get out of college. Hopefully I can find, you know, a job or something like that to, to hopefully take care of us. Um, and during that time she broke up with me and, uh, I just kind of just fell off and started taking like one class a quarter and just not giving a shit. So it, it took me a while to finish. Um, but toward the end there, I kind of jumped back into the, all right, let's, let's finish this shit. Cause I'm, I'm kind of sick of going driving 20 minutes or 30 minutes to, to college and back. So, and then I eventually just moved out. So, but yeah, uh, it was an interesting time, but Metal Gear Solid three, um, a little different from the, the Metal Gear Solids that we know. Uh, this one takes place in the past. Uh, it takes place in 1964 during the Cold War. Uh, and we play uh, not as Solid Snake, but we play as Naked Snake, who is Solid Snake's father. Or clone father. However you want to go by that. The man who will eventually turn into Big Boss. The main villain of both Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2. So, um, we, um, we take on the role of a naked snake who has been sent in to, um, a Soviet controlled, uh, territory to rescue a scientist who has been working on a special type of weapons for the Soviet Union. Uh, the, uh, doctor's name is Sokolov. Uh, they're using him as kind of like a bargaining chip. Uh, at the same time, they're getting him to develop this this some kind of weapon. Um, spoiler alert: it's a Metal Gear. Um, no. But they they don't call it a Metal Gear. That's the thing. We don't know what the, in '64 nobody knew what the hell a Metal Gear was. They'd never seen anything like this before. So uh, they send in a uh, a lone operative. Uh, a man by the name of John uh, to uh, sneak into enemy territory, uh, get Sokolov, and uh, get him out to bring him back to the United States. Uh, it was at one point um, he had been rescued before because he he had he was he defected to the United States and was um, promised that his family and he would get be taken out of the Soviet Union and brought to America to live. Um, and they got his family out and they got him out, but then they captured him in Germany, I believe, and then brought him back to the jungles of, uh, I can't think of where, where it's at. Like where the, what country are we in? For the life of me, I can't think of where we are. I don't think we're in Russia, are we? 
didn't think so, but I wouldn't be surprised. It says here, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. It says here, um, CIA agent codenamed Nick Snake is sent to the jungles of Selenarax in the USSR. Yep. So I guess we are in Russia. Russia's a big place, so. And, and, and apparently that. Silenio Yarkis or whatever doesn't exist because when I when I type it in it just brings up Metal Gear, so kind of like Zanzibar Land. <laughs> it, it doesn't really exist, <laughs> uh, but it is in uh, Russia. Uh, he is um, sent in for a special mission called the Virtuous Mission, which is basically to secure Sokolov and. Uh, get him out. Simple, you know. Yeah, real simple. Should take. I think. I think even during the cutscene, they said uh, should only be about four hours, at the most. Um, and um, Snake is being aided over the radio by uh, Major Zero, uh, who wants to call himself Major Tom, uh, as well as a. Um, a field medic codenamed Paramedic, uh, along with another person, uh, his former mentor, uh, The Boss, codenamed The Boss. Um, she is one of the uh, one of the, the the most decorated soldiers from World War Two. She helped uh, her and her uh, Cobra unit, as they called it. Um, Helped basically stop Nazi Germany from taking over the world. Secretly, I guess. How the, how they always do it. So uh, we go to uh, we go to the jungles. Um, sent in uh, through parachute. And um, speak- yeah, it did bring back some memories watching the opening cinematic of this game. Just you know, just like from from when you first played it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've watched the beginning of this game, especially a ton of times because, well, of of the song, you know, I've set it on the the menu screen because of the the theme song, and then, you know, I I haven't finished this game that many times, but I have started it many many times. Yeah. So I, you know, I've watched the opening cinematic and played the first hour or two, you know, five, six, seven times. Yeah. So I, um, I should mention that too. I've, I've finished this game twice in my life. I finished it the first time, then I finished it uh, a second time whenever I did my big Metal Gear marathon before four came out. So uh, I beat the game twice. Uh, I remember bits and pieces. I don't remember plot stuff too much, to be honest with you. I remember boss fights, and I remember the beginning, but I don't really remember like what actually happens in this game. So it's kind of it's kind of refreshing to see how this is playing out now, especially now that I have a better perspective of the Metal Gear series in general. Yeah, just to see how it goes. Yeah, a little more context for it. So, um, but yeah, this this the virtuous mission should be easy. 
it's you know you go in uh, and get Sokolov and get the hell out, and it's it should it shouldn't take too long at all. So uh, we get into some new mechanics. Uh, it seems like Kojima likes to add new mechanics to everything. Uh, every game they got something new, and in Metal Gear 3, Metal Gear Solid 3, there's a few mechanics, one of them being camouflage. Um, Snake has the ability to change his camo pretty much on the fly, uh, wearing different types of clothing as well as face paint to hopefully blend in with the environment. And there are a ton of different camouflage. So, uh, you know, depending on where you are, uh, you can go into the menu and change, and you have like a camo index at the top that shows you how well hidden you are. Um, do you know if there's some kind of threshold percentages? What do you mean? As far as like getting seen? Yeah. I know, I, I don't know exact numbers, but I know that if I'm 90%, a guy can basically walk right by me if I'm laying in grass. Right. And he won't even see me. Um, I think it, I think as long as you're about 60% or better, if you're decently far away from a guy, they won't notice you, even if you're walking. Um, this one's a little different. So they can hear you. That's, that's one of the things. It's like in Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 1 particularly – you could run up to an enemy and if you're not stepping on something that made like a clanking sound or something like that, they wouldn't hear you and you could just grab them. And this one, even if you slightly tilt the control stick, even and you're walking as slow as you possibly can, when you get to a certain, you know, vicinity of an enemy, they will turn around and hear your footsteps. So it's one of those things where you kind of have to crawl to them first and then get up and 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 do something. Uh for some reason after playing after you know obviously after playing Metal Gear 4 and and part of Peace Walker, I had it in my mind that Snake could crouch walk. Uh but they didn't add that to Metal Gear Solid 4. And that kind of bummed me out a little bit. So, but the other uh, mechanic is the um, uh, they introduced the stamina meter in Metal Gear Solid Two, so you could tranquilize guys. And this one, um, Snake has a stamina meter, and uh, it goes down over time. And the only way to regain it is by eating. Well, uh, he can eat. Pretty much any type of wildlife. You can go hunting. You can snakes or rabbits or uh, any other things that you can find. He uh, really likes crabs. He likes crabs, yeah. Yeah, big fan. Um, you, you can kill them using a gun or a knife or even just like punching them. Uh, and um, eat that to uh, regain stamina. Um, and if you if it goes, if the bar goes low enough, um, it affects the your ability to perform. So when you go into first person to aim, he, he's kind of his his hands are kind of jittery, and you, you can't aim very well. 
So you need to keep uh, need to keep your your belly full. And also, uh, when he's underwater, you can't hold your breath as long if you don't have a lot of stamina. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the other new mechanic is the uh, the cure mechanic. So snake will get injured if you get shot. You got a bullet wound. If you get, I don't know, if you run into a uh, claymore and get blown up, he's got burns on him, and you have to you have to treat that stuff. So he, you have to, you know, if you got a bullet wound, you have to dig the the bullet out with a a knife, and then kind of stitch yourself up and put a put a uh, a bandage on you, and uh, you have to use all these different things. Same way with like if you get bit by a snake, you're 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 poisoned, and you have to use anti venom and stuff like that. So, um. And, and the reason why they have this stuff is because you don't eat rations whenever your health goes all the way down. That's one of the big things, uh, the big changes to to Snake Eater is, you, you know, you don't have a ration equipped. And if your health goes all the way down, you automatically refill some of your health. Um, it takes time. So, uh, and if you're... If you're injured in some way, whether it be a gunshot wound or, or poison or something like that, your health will slowly decrease. And in order to regain health, you have to cure yourself and then just hang around and let your health go back up. Yeah, I remember when I first played the game, I, I really liked the cure mechanic. I thought it, you know, it was really cool having to individually treat your wounds as opposed to just a wound equating to a percentage loss of life. Right. You know, gunshot, oh, that's 50%, you know. Now a gunshot's a gunshot, and you treat it differently than you do a burn. And uh, at the time, I really thought that was cool. Now it seems weirdly veiled behind the menus. And I wish it was a little bit more like the way Alone in the Dark handled it, where you actually see the wounds on the body, and you you treat them by either spraying them or, you know, it'd be cool if you put a little bandage on himself or something that was mo- a little bit more visual instead of navigating the menus the same way you open your backpack and open a map. And, but, I mean, that's an older game, so it's not really a fault of the game. It's just, at the time, it seemed way more immersive, and now it seems very clearly one or two steps removed from what anybody would consider to be immersive. Right. So, uh, it's interesting because I'm going to deviate a little bit here because I just want I just want to look at this. Uh, I actually have the Metal Gear series in fictional chronological order. So, uh, Snake Eater is first, happens in 1964. Uh, then Portable Ops takes place in 1970. Peace so Walker, good. Peace Walker takes place in 1974. Uh, then Ground Zeroes uh, takes place in 75. And then the Phantom Pain, which is the new Metal Gear that's coming out in September, takes place in 1984. Then there's Metal Gear, uh, the one on the NES, takes place in 95. Uh, Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake pl- takes place in 1999. Metal Gear Solid takes place in 2005. Sons of Liberty takes place in uh, 2007 and 2009. Guns of the Patriots is in 2014. And then Metal Gear Rising Revengeance takes place in 2016 and uh, 2018. So that is your 
fictional chronological order. Um, and all of those are considered canon. So even Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is canon. Which is kind of interesting. Because <laughs> that game is nuts. So back to the Virtuous Mission. Um, pretty standard stuff. I think there's maybe five screens you go through as far as areas. Um, it's basically just the introduction. Um, running through the jungle, sneaking past guys if you can, um, and stuff like that. Um, the, uh, the big thing is we do get a couple of cutscenes. You know, uh, Snake um, is talking through the radio with the boss. Um, you know, his his ex mentor, who he kind of he kind of just she kind of just fell off the earth, the face of the earth. He couldn't find her. He he was wondering where she was, and you know there was so much more he wanted to learn from her. And you know she was like, "You're ready for this." And you know, it, I don't like the voice actor for the boss. She and I'm not saying she's a bad voice actor. What? Oh no, I didn't say anything. Oh, I thought was it your phone vibrating or something? Yeah, it might be. <laughs> okay, um, but I'm not saying she's a bad voice actor. She doesn't belong in this game. She doesn't sound like somebody who should be voicing a character in Metal Gear Solid. In w- in what way? It just it it sounds weird. It sounds different. It's not exaggerated like the rest of the voice actors do. Maybe I'm crazy, but every time I hear her talk, I'm just like, it doesn't. She she she's on a different level of voice acting. It, it's weird because it, it, it just sounds like she's reading her lines and not acting them. Hmm. And, yeah. I- more attention to it. I, I don't know if, you know, I, I thought she was a little flat, but I, I didn't know if that was necessarily the character or the voice actor. Yeah, it could be the character. So I, I don't, it, it just sounds, it, it, it just sounds off to me for some reason. Um, I know Ken uh, mentioned that it's, it's a woman who's on Family Guy. And he says it, 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 that's all he thinks of whenever he hears her voice is, is just, he thinks of Family Guy. I, I don't, I don't watch Family Guy, so I don't know. But, um, so yeah, the, uh, he, you, you can obviously tell through, through Kodak and stuff like that, that, that she, um, she has some type of a relationship with, with Snake. Uh, a deeper one, obviously. Um, so, um, we on to the virtuous mission. Sneak around a few guys. Uh, we start off with a tranquilizer gun. Uh, another mechanic that I totally forgot about was silencers will run out. They eventually break, and you can't use them anymore. That's a big deal in this game. Um, because I'm at a point now where my silencer has broken. So I'm kind of afraid to even shoot now. Um, and I, I I will fully admit right now, I am going for the Peace Walker trophy, which is probably a mistake on my part. 
What is that trophy for? That trophy is for not killing a single person in the game. Damn. So far, I would say I'm a little bit more than halfway through this game, and I have not killed anybody yet. But I'm not going to say it's been easy. So, um, yeah, doing that. But eventually we make it to kind of like an abandoned warehouse, it looks like. Yeah, kind of a an abandoned, bombed-out warehouse. Yeah, I mean, it's like missing walls and stuff. Um, and this is where we're supposed to, to find Sokolov. Yeah, with just one room in it that's intact. Yeah. So uh, we uh, go inside, and we find Sokolov there. Uh, he doesn't know who we are to begin with. He's burning papers. Uh, looks like plans for whatever the hell he's working on. And we explained to him that, hey, we're we're sent by the CIA. I'm a CIA agent. I'm here to get you out. He's like, okay. We need to get the hell out of here, though, because uh, the, the GRU officers will be here soon. They're looking for me. So um, uh, when we leave, sure enough, we run into a bunch of GRU officers. And uh, they have us pretty much surrounded. Um, funny cutscene: <laughs> Snake's walking around with a gun, and he's 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 doing shit with his hands. It looked kind of dumb to begin with, which yep. I guess I guess it's supposed to be dumb. Um, but yeah, we're completely surrounded, uh, and then all of a sudden we start hearing somebody walking up with spurs. Come to find out, it is uh, a soldier, one of the leaders of uh, the Ocelot unit. And uh, we see this young 20-something uh, Ocelot show up. And I, I love how he's got whatever the opposite of a menacing roar is as like <laughs> the, the theme sound of its Ocelot unit. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. So... Um, he shows up and like the Gru officers are like, who the hell is this? And he's like, you're with the Ocelot unit. He says, we don't need you anymore. We got this guy. And he's like, ah, I don't think you understand. He's got bigger plans. And so he does his rawr or whatever. It's so dumb sounding. Yeah, sounds really weird. But I, I like it because he he's not like old Ocelot. Like, Ocelot from Metal Gear um, 1 and 2, like Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2, he, he, he's a little bit more controlled in those games. You could tell he's really young, very brash. He, you know, he, 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 he thinks he's a badass. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the tentpole reasons I love this game so much, is seeing what he becomes, having seen already what he becomes, I love the juxtaposition with him being, you know, arrogant and, and flamboyant and always trying to show off and and the fact that it doesn't work. I mean, it's one thing to show off and it's another thing to continually mess up and like really have to evolve your style of showing off. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That, those vulnerabilities that you see in him as, as a young ocelot 
I, it just I, I love that juxtaposition with the older version that we know. Yeah. I love his theme. It's like this um it, it's like his guitar that that's playing and it's it, like I love the music in this game because it it has like this jungle vibe to it. But at the same time it has like this 1960s kind of rock sound to it too. And his his theme is just like this really cool guitar riff that plays constantly. Like whenever you fight him later on, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 um I like I love that song. In fact, I'll probably use it for for uh, the outro or something. But um, like the the like the this whole cutscene is fantastic. Just how just him walking up and just like he's like yeah we we got this covered, and then you know his ocelot unit guys show up. And they got the other guy surrounded, and he just pulls out a gun and just shoots everybody. You know, he's 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 a badass, but he's a little too cocky uh, because he was gonna he's gonna shoot Snake, but then oh, his gun jammed, and the Snake teaches him a little bit of a lesson, slams his ass on the fucking ground, and uh, knocks him out. Uh, but beforehand, you know, tells him, says, "Hey, you know, I've been watching you because Snake, Snake is a veteran now. He he knows he knows fighting, and he knows guns. And uh, he says it's the way he handles his gun, uh, it's more fit for a revolver, and not an automatic because he was using an automatic pistol. And uh, obviously, Ocelot will remember that. Uh, but after knocking him out." Um, Sokolov runs off. He, he he's you know he, he's freaking out because everybody's getting shot up to hell. Um, so uh, we have to take out the uh, the ocelot unit that kind of surrounds us. Or no no snake snake takes out the ocelot and he knocks them all out in the cutscene. So there's an interesting little thing here. Um. That uh, I I really like because I did it and then I reloaded, and it actually brings up a good point too. So you can take out a fucking gun, or you can take your knife out and kill Ocelot while he's laying there. Um, yeah, he he's laying there knocked out when you take over a snake again, and if you kill him, you get a game over. Um, and there's a trophy for it. <laughs> the trophy I think is called uh Problem Solved Series Over. That was what it was. <laughs> you kill him immediately. Well and none of the other Metal Gears really happen because well Ocelot's <laughs> been behind the whole fucking thing. Um But uh you, obviously you get a you get a game over, but you get a time paradox. That's yeah. what that's what happens. Anytime anytime Snake dies, it'll say Snake is dead. And if you let it sit there on the screen long enough, the it, the letters change to until it finally changes to time paradox. Um, and then what's really interesting is that if you kill Ocelot there, you automatically get a time paradox, and you he, instead of like somebody saying snake, you know, or something like that, you hear fucking Colonel Campbell. The guy who played Colonel Campbell recorded a line saying, you can't do that. You'll create a time paradox. 
So that, just that right there started like conspiracy theories about Metal Gear Solid 3. Some people believe that Metal Gear Solid 3 is really Solid Snake doing a VR mission. <laughs> and it's all about like him learning about his dad and shit like that. And it's crazy. Like I got, I've seen like full on like, like paragraphed message boards talking about how this is all really just a VR mission that Snake's going through. All because Kojima got the guy who played Colonel Campbell to record a line. And put it in there if you killed Ocelot. That's awesome. It's crazy. So I mean, it's interesting how how they how they do that. But yeah, we got to go find Sokolov. Well, that's not the only time in this game you can kill somebody before you're supposed to. This is very true. There's a lot of tricks to this game, which we'll we'll go over. Um, but yeah, um. We got to find a, a, a Sokolov because he ran off, um, and we can't find him, so we have to run back. Basically, the way we came, uh, and when we do, uh, we go we go to where this bridge was, the swinging bridge, and um, Sokolov. We run into Sokolov there, and uh, we're gonna go go across this bridge and. All of a sudden, the boss is there on the bridge. And we were we were under the impression that she was in a submarine in Alaska, or not Alaska, but in the uh, Antarctic Ocean. Well, she's here, and um, she bra- she disables. I swear to God, this woman knows how to disable every weapon. She breaks <laughs> every gun known to man, like in front of Snake. She disables Snake's weapon and beats the ever-loving hell out of him. Breaks his arm, breaks a rib, and uh, sits him down there. Come to find out, she has defected. She is no longer working uh, with the U.S. She has defected to the Soviet Union, and she has brought along her Cobra unit uh, that helped defeat the Nazis in World War II. And this is a colorful cast of characters. In fact, I can't even begin to describe some of them. Yeah. By far my favorite group of bosses in the game. Yeah. So the Cobra unit is very interesting. So just like with the Foxhound unit of Metal Gear Solid 1 and the Dead Cell unit of Metal Gear Solid 2, we have another unit to take on. The Cobra unit. Um, and she, along with the Cobra unit, is all being led by a um, military officer uh, by the name of uh, Volgan. Uh, and we see Volgan there as well. And he talks to uh, the boss um, and he basically says, okay, if you want to show your loyalty to me, kill your, your, you know, your study, you know, I want to see your, the mentor kill the, uh, the, the student. And so she, she beats the hell out of him and throws him over the bridge. And, uh, he falls way far down there and lands into the water. Yeah. It looks like hundreds of feet. 
or 800 feet. Yeah. Uh, and then they capture Sokolov um, via Hornets and the Fear. So let's let's just go ahead and name all of the the Cobra unit. They got the Pain, who is a guy who has the ability to control a swarm of hornets. Um, and he looks like he's been stung a million times. His face yeah. is very swollen. Uh, then you have um, you have the fear, who is a very strange looking guy uh, who has a forked long tongue, uh, and he crawls around things kind of like a spider. Yep. Uh, you have the end. The end is a old old man who I believe is a hundred years old. Um who is a world-class sniper. Uh, Everyone says he is the best sniper in the world. Uh, And he has very weird bulging eyes. Yeah, I never really knew if that was intentional or some kind of weird... Not like a glitch, but like some weird quirk of the game. Or he's supposed to have those weird bulgy eyes. I think he's supposed to have those weird bulgy eyes. Um, but, uh, the end is, is a very old man and, uh, they say he sleeps all the time because he is waiting for one final battle. And we all know what that final battle is. It's going to be with snake. Uh, they have the fury who is an ex astronaut. And, uh, he wears like an astronaut outfit and has a flamethrower. And the uh, the last one of the unit is um, the Sorrow. The best one. The Sorrow is essentially a dead man. Uh, yeah, so the, the Sorrow is a ghost. Who follows the boss around. And anytime he shows up, it starts raining. Very strange group of characters. <laughs> To say the least. And then there's the boss, obviously. So, uh... They capture Sokolov. They gravely wound um, Snake. He goes way down river. And uh, Colonel Vulcan... um, Takes a... uh, A launcher. Some type of rocket launcher that uh, was given to him by um, the boss as kind of like a, uh, a loyalty gift. And um, this rocket launcher doesn't shoot rockets. It shoots nuclear rockets. Uh, and he <laughs> put loads a nuclear rocket onto this basically rocket launcher and shoots it... Um, at the facility where they were, they were uh, basically researching the um, the Shagglehod, which I, sh- I forgot to mention. Um, Sokolov tells us whenever we first run into him what they really want with him, and they want him to uh, develop this new weapon, which is a kind of like a bipedal tank, um, and uh, they've dubbed it the Shagglehod. Um, and it has the uh, capability of launching nuclear weapons. 
essentially the very first Metal Gear. Um, but before he, before Vulcan uh, fires off a nuclear bomb uh, into the jungle, into the facility where they were working on uh, research and stuff like that, not where they keep in the Shagohod, they have to, they have they're transporting the Shagohod somewhere else. Um, Ocelot. Ocelot gets uh, really pissed off. You know, he's like, you can't shoot our nuclear weapon over there. He says, well, our, our brothers are over there. We're, you're going to bomb our own country. And he, he's, you know, Vulcan doesn't give a shit. He fires that rocket off anyway. And, um, yeah, apparently kills a lot of people. Yep. Yep. That's Vulcan. Yeah. Kills a lot of people using United States technology. That's what he's doing. He's trying to start basically a war. Um, so, geez, we see, we see all this in a cut scene. Um, snake, uh, washes up on the riverbank. He's got a broken leg, broken rib, uh, multiple lacerations. Um, and, uh, we have to fix him up and then we see the nuclear bomb go off in the distance and, um, major zero comes in says, all right, we're getting you out of there. He comes in and gets snake. Then begins a lot of cutscenes. So this is, this game has a decent amount of cutscenes that are relatively long. And uh, we begin the the process of learning what has transpired since then. It's a week later. Uh, Snake is still in ICU with all these broken bones, and uh, Major Zero basically tells Snake that we're kind of getting blamed for this. And he's like, "Well, it wasn't us. It was Vulcan." Well, the uh, I guess the ambassador, it's not the ambassador, it's the prime minister of the USSR, the president of the USSR. Um, he basically calls the president of the United States and tells him, dude, you guys bombed us? And they're like, no, that was, it was some, somebody that we didn't, you know, they, they're basically passing the buck off to, to snake in his company. And, um, well, the uh, the Russian president basically says, "Well, you got one week to uh, basically stop Volgan uh, because apparently there are two rival military groups in the USSR at the current moment. Um, they're kind of divided right now uh, because." A lot of stuff, a lot of stuffs going on as far as the Cold War goes. USSR doesn't know if they want to be in it. There's their military's kind of split. Some of them went with Vulcan. Some of them went with the president. And he's wanting the United States to say, you know what? If you guys didn't do this, then you need to show us that by saying stop Vulcan, stop whatever the hell he's doing, and um, find evidence that you guys didn't do this. So, the United States government says, well, 
Snake, you got us in this mess. You're going to have to get us out. So we get sent back into jungles of USSR a week later. Still blows my mind because Snake has a broken arm and a broken rib. Uh, and he has to rescue Sokolov, stop Vulcan, and destroy the Shagglehod. Yeah, and I love how they very briefly say, like, oh, you shouldn't even be up right now. Yeah. You, sh- you should be laying in bed. Well, you should be laying in bed for probably a month, two months, three months, not days, not a couple of days. Yeah. And they send Snake back in. Uh, for Operation Snake Eater. And uh, they call it Operation Snake Eater because he's going in to kill the Cobra unit. And uh, Snake says, I don't know if I can kill my former mentor. I don't know why she defected. But, all right, let's do this. Let's see, Soviet uh, Premier... Uh, Khrushchev, Khrushchev, that's what his name is, the president, basically, of the USSR, and he was talking to President Lyndon B. Johnson. Okay, so uh, we go in uh, for the mission, uh, during the mission briefing, they, they tell us that there's a few things that we can do, uh, we uh, luckily have two uh, two people um, basically on our side who are in the Vulcan unit. So somebody in the Vulcan ranks, uh, codenamed Adam and codenamed Eva have, um, basically defected to the United States and are agreeing to help out the United States, uh, with operation snake eater. Uh, and snake is supposed to land back in the jungle and meet up with Adam to, uh, to figure out how to infiltrate, uh, Vulcan's base. Uh, so, uh, when they land, he kind of crash lands. Uh, they use a, uh, a special type of like, um, it's kind of like a rocket. I mean, they rocket his ass. Down. Yeah. It actually was kind of futuristic when he was flying around in the, uh, you know, the support plane before yeah. he launched. Uh, his little rocket, one-man rocket ship out of it. And uh, he uh, he kind of goes off course a little bit and lands back into the area where he where he was for the Virtuous mission. Um, and when he eventually makes it back to where, like, so he broke off. He, he, he broke off, um, I guess, via parachute and then landed... Uh, farther away from where the rocket landed. So when he makes it to where the rocket landed, there's somebody there waiting on him. It's the boss. And once again, she breaks his gun. And, uh, like, machine guns his rocket to where it, like, explodes. And she's hoping it's going to grab the attention of the GRU officers. Mm-hmm. Which it does. And Snake has to get the hell out of there. She runs off, 
And so we got to get away from the GRU officers, hide from them, and then go to the meeting place, which is basically the exact same building where he met Sokolov uh, to meet up with Adam. And when he makes it there, Adam's not there. Instead, uh, a woman is there, uh, and uh, she says her name's Eva, or she's she's the other the other defector. The whole time, Snake's like, "Where's Adam? I was supposed to meet Adam. I don't I don't know who you are. I don't trust you." Which I should mention because they mention it. Uh, Sokolov mentions it to him. Um, he says that uh, your Russian is excellent. I think they're speaking Russian, but we're just hearing it in English. I think everybody, everybody in this game is speaking Russian, mm. except for like when Snake's on the radio and stuff. I could be wrong because Snake hasn't said anything Russian, but then Sokolov was like, your Russian is great. And I was like, okay, so they must be speaking Russian, but it's just playing out as English so we can understand it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would make sense. So, um, so we meet up with Eva. Uh, Eva um, kind of gives him a briefing of what is to come. Uh, basically, in the week's time, they have moved the Shagohod to another facility where they're doing the final preparations of it. Uh, they got Sokolov working on it. And uh, she also gives him a gun. But Snake really loves this damn gun. Yeah, he goes nuts over it. He goes nuts over it. You know, it's custom made, and oh man, it's, it's even got all this. Like, look at this grip, and and, and it was, it's, oh, it's amazing. Special trigger. It's all filed down. Every single piece of this gun's customized. And um, this is also the part where we can hold R one to look at her boobs. Because it's a Kojima game. Uh, but she wants us to rest because you know, obviously he's been beat the hell up before and it's late and she wants him to get some rest. So he goes to sleep uh, when he wakes up. They're all surrounded by the Ocelot unit once again. Um, and sure enough, Ocelot shows up. This time he's got six shooters. Yeah, no, no bullet jamming this time. Yeah, no bullet jamming this time. And uh, you know he's like, "Oh, I'm ready for you this time." You know, he's like, "You made a fool out of me once. You're not going to do it again." But the snake probably then- picks on him for having like ornately decorated handles. He's like, "I don't think that's going to help the, you know, help the gun function." Yeah, he's like, "You got these flashy looking guns, but they don't." You know they don't kill anybody any easier. Yeah, and pisses him off again. He's challenging his honor. Um, and they get into another fight. And oh look, his gun—it doesn't misfire. It, uh, one of the bullets is a dud. And then Snake gets the upper hand once again, and uh, beats the hell out of him again. <laughs> um. <laughs> He actually, uh, it's one of the dumbest cutscenes I've ever seen. Um, the motorcycle? Yeah, the motorcycle. Oh, God, yes. Eva gets on her motorcycle, which is, it, it's not like a 
a modern motorcycle that you'd think of. It's a motorcycle from like the 60s, one that you you think would have a sidecar on it or something. Heavy fucking motorcycle. She <laughs> revs this sucker up, pops a wheelie, and then rides up Ocelot's face. So basically uppercuts him with a motorcycle and does a flip and then lands and uh, and it leaves like tread marks on Ocelot's face. (laughs) It's so dumb. And then he's like, fuck this. I'm going to get the hell out of here. And um, Eva's getting ready to shoot him. She pulls out she pulls out her gun. And uh, is getting ready to shoot him while he's running off. And Snake stops her. It's like, nah, don't do it. He's he's still young. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And he even says, you know what? You're probably going to live to regret that. Hey, yep. Yep. So we got to make it to uh, basically where they're keeping Sokolov. They're keeping Sokolov in a or, – or Eva believes they're keeping Sokolov in a, um, a, a research base. Not necessarily very far from here. So after the encounter with Ocelot, um, we have to continue through the jungle to reach this research facility. Uh, and uh, Eva did also give uh, Snake a uh, a disguise, so that way he could r- run around in there without being spotted. It's a scientist uniform. Um, so um, we have to make it there. Yeah, he's got a scientist uniform, but he also has that long hair and the beard. And the bandana. Yeah, I mean, I guess he could take that off, but I don't think anyone would really convince, like, confuse him with a scientist when how many people are, I don't know, he's a strange-looking strange dude to begin with, and then he's a stranger in the facility. Yeah, and he runs funny. Yeah. Even whenever he ha- he has the scientist uniform on, um, and he also there's a button to like push up glasses. He wears glasses when he has the scientist outfit on. And there's a button where he pushes up glasses with his finger. That's awesome. Um, and he doesn't take off the bandana. He keeps running around with a bandana and scientist outfit on. Um, <laughs> this is basically like a Clark Kent style disguise. Pretty much. So we have to make it through the jungle uh, to reach this uh, facility. And there's a more, more obviously more sneaking and stuff like that. I'm, I'm going to, I'm kind of just passing through that. There's a lot of sneaking involved. You actually run into a, um, kind of like a, a small base where a lot of enemies are. And there's a weapons uh, cache. And um, in the game, what you can do is, is destroy those weapon caches and um, it actually affects the game a little bit. So if you were to destroy those those caches, whenever you get spotted and they call for backup, either A, backup will be less than what it used to be, or they won't be as well equipped. Oh, so, nice. so, so they won't be carrying shotguns that knock your ass down or or those giant shields that suck. So... Um, there is a strategic reason for for blowing up those caches and stuff like that, but um, I didn't do that because I'm trying not to kill anybody and I didn't want anybody standing next to it whenever I blew it up. So um, I just kind of went past that one. But we eventually make it to kind of like a gorge, 
Um, and we get surrounded by Ocelot units again. Uh, and Ocelot's there. He wants to do round three. So basically begins our first boss fight, which is, um, there's a kind of like a, it's kind of, I guess kind of like a fault. There's, there's a, um, there's a relatively big gap between snake and ocelot and, um, ocelot's on the other side shooting at snake and snakes on the other side. So you can't go over to him. So to, to like punch him or anything like that, you got to stay at a distance and shoot him. And, uh, didn't find this fight too difficult. Uh, what you can do is he likes to hide sometimes and then pop out and shoot you. What you can do, you can shoot the, the beehives or the hornet hives. Yep. And they fall down and, and make him come out of cover. Um, and I was able to. It takes a ridiculously long time to reload. Yeah. He's got six shooters. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't got that down fully yet. Uh, and he likes to reload out in the middle of the, the field so you can just shoot him. Um, and I was able to take him down with the, even with the tranquilizer gun pretty easily. And I have to say, as far as the boss fights go in this game, I've done four boss fights so far. Pretty much all of them in kind of a breeze. I've been able to take them all out pretty easily. I'm playing on normal. I'm not playing on easy or anything like that, but, um, but yeah, it's, that, this was pretty simple. Um, when you beat, uh, Ocelot, um, all of a sudden the Hornets show up and it, it, it straight up kills some of the, some of the Ocelot unit guys and they swarm snake and swarm, um, um, revolver Ocelot. He's, he's never called revolver Ocelot yet, but, um, they, it, they swarm him. And he, he, he fights off the Hornets by basically twirling his guns around and killing them. Yeah, twirling them around so fast. That it's, they just, it's they're dropping constantly. <laughs> and Snake's, Snake's just like, fuck this. And he jumps into the ravine and falls. He seems in. To be good at that. What's that? He seems to be good at surviving that fall. Yeah, I know. Um, and he jumps down into a cave. And uh, escapes the hornets that way, and I guess Ocelot runs off. So now we got to go through his cave. Holy shit! I got lost in this cave for forty-five minutes. Yeah, I got a bit lost in here as well. Because there are multiple branching paths that will lead back to the beginning, and I was like, I don't even know how I did this. Especially because I didn't start off with any light of any sort. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of cool. Um, if you stand in there long enough, your eyes adjust to the darkness. Like snakes' eyes will adjust to the darkness, and you can see slightly. It's actually really interesting how they handled that. But yeah, you eventually find a torch, and um, if you look hard enough, you can find night vision goggles. Yep. Yeah, I did find those as well. Yeah, I found those. Uh, everything runs on batteries, including like your sonar and stuff like that. I haven't used that at all. I haven't um, used any of them yet. Yeah, I haven't used any of those. Um, but uh, the um, 
They, one of the interesting things, there's these uh, glow caps mushrooms. If you eat them, it refills your batteries. Because <laughs> they, they glow in the dark, and apparently that just refills all your batteries. <laughs> See, I was going to wait till I... I was going to wait till some scene where I was with Eva, and then I was going to take a bunch of those mushrooms and see if he started tripping. Be careful with the mushrooms, because they can't give you stomach poisoning. <laughs> um, certain ones can. Um, let's see. There's um, yeah, it's a lot of just running around. There's no no enemies in here at all. It's just trying to figure out where the hell to go. Um, when we make it out of the, the, the main cave, we go into a kind of an open cave, uh, filled with water and a few rocks where you can stand up on them. And this comes to our second boss fight. Really, relatively quickly, we get to a second boss fight. Um, and that is with the pain. So the pain... It has the ability to use hornets, obviously. And he can shoot hornets at you. Uh, he can also create armor through hornets, so you can't shoot him. Um, what you can do, though, uh, is when he has that armor on and you can't shoot him with a regular gun, pull out a shotgun. Shotgun, two blasts from the shotgun will basically make the hornet armor go away and it stuns him for a few seconds and you wow. can throw a grenade yeah you can throw grenades too I was trying my best not to kill him so I'm tranquilizing everybody um and it works I mean that's the thing it's like that little that eight was it it's not h22 it's uh the m22 or whatever uh tranquilizer gun that thing yep. will, that thing will do some damage to bosses especially if you hit him in the head um, and I was I, pretty easy for me. Do you have any problem with this fight? No, I didn't have any problem. I, uh, I forgot what to do at the beginning. So it kind of, I kind of spent 15 or 20 minutes shooting and throwing the grenades that didn't do any real damage to him. And then, you know, a after I was sitting around for a while, it clicked that, because I, you know, I was watching him. I'm like, why did that grenade not damage him? You know, and then his motions kind of indicate that he's now open to be attacked. So I'm right. like, oh, right. Grenade first, bullet second. Yeah. That's that's one of the things. you you got to get timing down with bosses. Bosses always have a trick to beating them. That's how it's always been. But um, not a very difficult fight. Um and it, there's something I should mention is that when you when you beat the uh, the Cobra unit enemies, they all explode for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Every single one of them explodes. Um, <laughs> so I guess there's no, no no traces of the bodies left. I don't know, but they all um yeah when he he falls over and dies and then explodes. Did he do that for you? Oh yeah. And how did you not kill him? I I don't know, but that's it's a, yeah, I mean it's one of those things where you chalk it up to being a video game, but um, because the same way with I'm pretty sure you shot Ocelot with a bunch of bullets and not 
tranquilizer, good darts. Yep. But he still survived. So it's just one of those things. I have a feeling I'm going to fuck up somehow and kill somebody on accident. And I'll be like, I'll I'll be too bothered to even worry about it And (laughs) and just finish the game anyway. But we'll find out. So we beat the pain. Uh, we get out of the cave, and um, we're quickly on our way to uh, getting to the uh, the research facility to uh, run into Sokolov. Again. Again. And that's where we pretty much left off. Um, I'm. I'm. I, I have went farther. I went actually went much farther, uh, mm-hmm. but. But we can talk about that on the next uh, on the next episode. This, I have to say, like when I beat the pain, I saved the game, and I think I was maybe three and a half hours in, if that. Oh, uh, see, I was just about five, and I was just like, "Man, this is going by pretty quickly." Because I mean, truth be told, I'm getting seen a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm trying my best to sneak by guys, but one of the big things is that I don't have a radar, an active radar showing me where a guy is and where he's looking at. So I, and everything seems to blend in, even the enemies. So I can't see them sometimes. I'll be running around, all of a sudden I hear the ring, and I was like, I didn't even know there was a guy around me. Yeah, that happened to me a lot at that one little intermediate compound that you come upon. Yeah. So many guys there. You know, I thought the way was clear and I was just like, all right, I'm going to make the, I'm going to bolt to this little area, get in this door, see what's inside, grab a weapon or two, and then I'll be on my way. And I thought, I thought the path was clear. And then some guy saw me and I'm like, yep, I didn't know he was looking in my direction. Yeah. Or was even there. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's that's one of the things is I'm I'm definitely going to be seen a lot, but when I get seen, I just rush. I just get the fuck out of here. You know, don't worry about. It. I mean, I may try to punch a guy and knock him down. The CQC in this game, so that's one of the the other new mechanics is the CQC. For the life of me, I can't. I can't tell you how this shit works. I know it's it's by using the circle button. Um, when I want to just grab a guy, I grab him and slam him to the ground and knock him out. I've been able to grab a guy once. I think that's just the pressure sensitiveness, right? It, it, I, th- I think so, but it's one of those things where, like, I don't want to fuck this up and have him turn around and see me. So I, I, I kind of panic and hit the button, and it just slams him. But, I mean, I, I've been able to hold up a guy once. Um. It's it's one of those it's, it's weird how this stuff works. So there's certain weapons like if you're carrying a, just a knife, he can do CQC. If he's carrying a pistol, he can do CQC. Uh, uh, like shotguns or, or um, assault rifles or something like that, he can't he can't do it. Um, but I have to say the ground slam comes in handy. Huh. You know when when I, when I got a guy right in front of me who's getting ready to shoot me. I just run up to him and hold down the circle button and a direction, and he just judo slams him into the freaking ground, and he is knocked out instantly. So I've been using that a lot. Granted, it does make noise, and people will hear that, 
but it's not like a gunshot where they know something's up. They'll just go, huh, what was that? And they'll walk over. By that time, I'm long gone. So, so I'm not really spending a lot of time in an area where you're supposed to sneak around guys. I'm just like, I look at the map and say, okay, where's the exit? That's where I need to go. And I kind of make a beeline for that um, while trying to be sneaky. But if I get seen, I just judo slam a guy and get the fuck out. And that's pretty much how I'm playing this game. This <laughs> is a lot of running. And that's where we're going to leave off. I think we may have to play a little bit more for the next episode. If we're going to squeeze this in in three episodes. Because where I stopped at currently, which is after the end fight, I'll just go ahead and say, I can't remember any of this game. Not the end boss, although it is the end yeah. boss. Yeah. Not the, the, bo- boss, the boss named the end. Um, I don't remember anything after this. I really don't. So I'm, it's almost like I'm playing a game for the first time. Hmm. One of the joys of a terrible memory. <laughs> Every five years, it's like playing a new game. Yeah. So there you go. But uh, we do have an email, uh, which I'd like to read. Uh, it's from Jamie. She's been following along with us, uh, and she continues being the trooper that she is. Uh, she says, hey, guys, long time. I've been enjoying listening to you guys cover The Witcher, although I cheated and went straight to three. There uh, is only so much gaming I can squeeze in, but I will tell you that it's amazing. And you guys have been shedding light on stuff that I'm seeing as I play The Witcher 3. That's really cool. Yeah. I can't wait to see how one is kind of seeded into two and three. Yeah. Characters and, and plot lines. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I am too. A little background has been nice. Um, one of the cool things was like when Xbox announced it, uh, that, um, Xbox 360 games are now backwards compatible. I was, the first thing that popped into my head was, yes, I can play The Witcher 2 on uh, on my Xbox One in the living room. But that's not one of the backwards compatible ones yet. They're working on it. So hopefully by the time we finish all the Metal Gears and start The Witcher 2, it'll be one of the backwards compatible ones. Um, they're letting you vote on them. Oh, really? Yeah, they're letting you vote on which ones do you want to see first, and The Witcher 2 is high up there, like three or four. So we'll see how yeah. that goes. With three having just come out, yeah. it makes sense that it would be you know on everybody's mind. And luckily I got it for free for games with gold, so don't have to pay for it. Uh, see, I already installed it on my computer. Since I played the first one on the computer, I want to be able to carry the save over. Yeah. So, uh, Yuffie. She says, now on to the Metal Gear Solid 3. Uh, I'm not as far into it as you guys are, and right now I'm just kind of meh. I think it's because I've only just passed the intro. Okay, I admit I'm a slow gamer, at least with the Metal Gear series. Uh, but I've played about five hours in almost the same area. You start out in the same three sections of the jungle, then do some stuff at a ruined building, then start again in the same area. 
I guess in comparison to the last two, this feels kind of the ripoff. I'm used to buildings upon buildings or multiple layers of ta of a tanker. But I'm I'm assuming this will change as I get further into the game, so it's no big deal. I will tell you right now, you better get used to a lot of jungle stuff. Because you're going to be going through the jungle a lot. Um, you will go into some buildings. In fact, there's there's I know that there's some toward the end that's a lot of sneaking around buildings and stuff like that, but Primarily, this game takes place outside in a jungle setting or in a mountainous setting. I do remember some mountains. Uh, she says, I do like the fact that you can kill animals and use that for food, though I could have lived without watching Snake eat a raw snake. And I really like that you can heal yourself, even if it is a bit long-winded. First, clean the wound and uh, suture. I think it's stitcher. It's supposed to be stitcher. I don't know. Uh, then bandage, etc., etc. Uh, it adds that little bit of detail that Metal Gear always surprises me with. Uh, in the first one, it was the footprints in the snow that the guards noticed. In two, it was that you could take out their radios and cameras. And in this one, it's how much you can interact with your surroundings, uh, like being bitten by a snake and having to, to cure yourself with antivenom or eating rotten food and having to cure your food poisoning. Story-wise, I've just met a character who has to be a young ocelot and probably could have saved a lot of grief by killing him right then. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. uh, I liked the little quip Eva made, you're going to regret stopping me, or something along those lines. Uh, they've mentioned the Patriots, and uh, they have the password la le lulu, lulu whatever you know what I mean, the la le lulu -lo. Uh, so I guess some stuff will be explained that wasn't covered in the second one. I'm looking forward to that. Um, the Patriots and the Lalelule Lo will probably not be mentioned in this game. But just wait for four. Yeah, just wait for four. That's when you get to figure out what the fuck the Patriots are and the Lalelule Lo. You will find out in four. Guaranteed. Um, that was just kind of like a throwback, you know, I was like, I'm with the Patriots and the passwords, la, 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 that was just saying, Oh, Hey, you played the second one. You know what that means? Sort of. Yeah. Uh, so here in closing, I still miss solid snake. He's not the same. And I really miss Otacon, which I didn't see coming. I liked them as a team in two. And so far I feel like I am a one man show in this one. The people on my radio aren't really very interesting yet. The boss was promising at first, but I'm pretty sure I know her voice from Toy Story and Family Guy. And it's very uh, weird to hear her voice in this. Okay, maybe that's what it is. I also find I also find it a little annoying that Snake doesn't even try to fight her when he she shows up. But I know that's story related. I'm not going to comment too much on Eva except to say that I'm glad I can even the odds by taking Snake's shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> the boys get theirs. I get mine. I'm all about equality. P.S. I'm not going to tell you how many times I got lost in the jungle because it's embarrassing. How I got lost in three sections of a jungle baffles me. Jamie. Thank you for that email, Jamie. Uh, if you haven't made it to the caves yet, <laughs> just get prepared. Yeah, let's hope you find that uh, torch pretty early. Yeah. 
fucking annoying, man. <laughs> Even then, you still like, did I go here this way? I don't know if I went this way yet or not. You know, it's just one of those things. But yeah, it's <sighs> Naked Snake John is a different person from Solid Snake. Uh, it's and they do it pretty well in this game. Uh, Solid Snake is almost like a machine, but not really. Solid Snake is just so hardened and not like he, he, I mean, I don't want to say, Oh, he was engineered to not think or anything like that, but he, he's solid snake has been through so much shit in his life that he, he thinks very differently than from yeah. his father. Um, his father, uh, John is a bit more human. In that sense, um, and you'll get a lot of that in in throughout this game, is that John is very very focused on loyalty and focused on uh, what his mission really means. So it's not a it's not all about the mission for him. You know, he has you you'll see him have emotional parts in it. Wow, you didn't really see that in Solid Snake. Him and Otacon have a pretty good relationship. Um and it, it it's even better in Metal Gear Solid 4. But you can tell, especially in Metal Gear Solid 1, Snake doesn't really have much of a personality. Yep. You know, he he's he he is a soldier through and through. While John is Kind of like a secret agent, you know. He 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 is a badass warrior, but he's still human, and you kind of can't replicate that. And that's one of the great things about this whole clone thing is that you never can make a copy of something perfectly. You know, Solidus Snake was supposedly the perfect copy of of Big Boss, but. In the end, he still wasn't Big Boss. So, um, and you, you're going to get to see a lot of vulnerability with uh, with Naked Snake John uh, in this game, uh, particularly later on. Uh, and that's one of the great things about the series is that they they show that stuff, even if it is just subtle in some ways. But uh, John th- goes through some shit too, and you'll see at the end that there's yeah there, there's a lot of things at the end of this game that just you know you see you slowly see him become big boss. You slowly see him become that villain that he he will eventually turn into. You know, you see it. You'll you'll see it some in, in Peace Walker, from what I've seen, and then at the obviously in Metal Gear Solid Five, you see him become the villain in Five. Even if you just if you look at it through the fucking trailers, did you watch that trailer, Matt? The the new one. Yeah, the newest one. I put it on Facebook. Nope. You need to watch that. 
Should I? Can I? There, there's not even talking in it. Okay. It, I mean, I, it, there, there's talking in it, but it's all just cryptic bullshit, like Kojima sure. always does. Um, yeah. They're touting it as the last trailer ever directed by Hideo Kojima. Um, I, I, I can't remember what the name of the song is that plays in it, but uh, God, it's really good. And there's something at the very end that that, that got me excited. So. Metal Gear Solid 5 is going to be kind of like Episode 3 of Star Wars where we see Anakin Skywalker turn into Darth Vader. And that's kind of what's going to happen in in Metal Gear Solid 5. We're going to see John finally turn into Big Boss for real. And I'm excited to play it. I got really hyped after seeing that trailer. Yeah, I'm going to go watch it as soon as we get done with this. Yeah. But yeah, that's it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Thank you, Jamie, for the email. And any other people out there that's listening, uh, I know there's a few other people that's playing along with us. Send us your emails. I want to read them. I want to hear your thoughts on this game. I want to hear your thoughts on the series. Um, Do you best stay away from spoilers? Because... Jamie has not played uh, any of the other games, and it is fucking fascinating seeing somebody who has never experienced these games before. So I I, I don't want to spoil anything for her. Um, But yeah, um, if you would send us an email, it's uh, drew at ztgd.com. We'll read them on the show. We appreciate every email, even if they're long ones. We don't care. I love long emails. Yeah, especially if they're long ones. Yeah, especially long emails. Um, and you can also follow us all on Twitter. I'm at DML Fury. Uh, Matt is at REMGS. And you can follow the podcast. The podcast itself, turn into Mark Wahlberg for a second there. You can follow the podcast itself at uh, uh, ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we will be back next week to, uh, to continue uh, playing through. Um, snake eater and um, yeah I'm, I'm I've, I, I don't know how far we should go for the next one I think we should make it past the end at least probably go farther I'll just have to play it by ear um, like I said I've, I've made it I've made it relatively farther so for some reason, this game feels like it's going by real fast. And, of course, it could be because of the way I'm playing it. So, but yeah, that, uh, that'll do it for us on the beginning of uh, of Snake Eater, and we will continue. We're going to try to do this in three episodes, uh, which I think we can probably can. Now that I've actually put some time into it, I think we can probably do it in three episodes. And then we'll move on to Metal Gear Solid 4. That's a big game. Yeah, that's an intense game. Yeah, it is. We're going to be talking a lot about what happens in cutscenes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Um, but we'll be back uh, next week to finish up, or not finish up, but continue uh, Metal Gear Solid 3. But until then, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll catch you next week with a continuation of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater.